If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 13. If you're new with us, we're doing a series in Mark where I'm asking you to read the same chapter every day, and then I promise to preach from somewhere in that chapter. So this week, uh, folks have been reading uh, Mark chapter 13, and believe it or not, I'm going to preach all of it. <laughs> what? I know. I am. And we're going to, we're going to get through this. I, I'm, uh, well, let's just read the passage because I think this is going to be important. So if you don't have a Bible, you can grab that Bible in front of you, turn to page 693 and look for the big 13. It should be the far uh, right hand column. And we're going to read and then we'll turn the page and there's a little bit on the next page as well. But I want you to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ as told to us by Mark chapter 13. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, Jesus replied? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming I am he and will deceive many. When you hear the war of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginnings of birth pangs. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given you at the time. For it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter because those will be days of distress unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the chosen whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah or look, there he is. Do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I've told you everything ahead of time. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. 
At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And He will send His angels and gather His elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn the lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that He is near, right at the door. Truly I tell you, this generation will not, certainly not pass away until all, how many things? All these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Be alert. You do not know when when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone. Watch. This is the written Word of God, spoken to the people of God. May the Holy Spirit use it to lead us to an encounter with the living Word of God, who is Jesus. Amen. Well, I have to say, I have not been looking forward to this passage. (laughs) If I hadn't committed to you to uh, preach from somewhere in every passage... This would be the one I'd have said, you know, let's just go to 14. <laughs> let's uh, let's just forget this one. Um, you know, who knows what he was talking about. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, and there's a good reason for that. It's not because I don't like the Bible or I don't like certain things. But I promised, and I promised that there is good news in this passage. And so... The the problem is, if I were to title this sermon, I would say, I would call it Way of Life, Not the World. Okay, you'll see what that means as we get into this sermon. But the reason why I really would kind of back off this passage, and we may need to dim the stage lights just a little bit there so we can see the uh, screen a little better, is because this passage and passages like this passage, they, they carry a lot of baggage. Okay? Now... I'm not talking a little bit of baggage. I'm talking like a lot of baggage. All right. I don't know if you can see that. That's a, there, there's a, there's a semi truck somewhere under there. And, and that is baggage. And those are people on top of the baggage. And somehow, if you were able to zoom in really close, you would also be able to see that the tires look like they're about to give in the midst of the desert. There is a lot of baggage when it comes to passages like these. Uh, There's been so much that has been said. There's been so much terrible theology that has been attached to a passage like this. So if you are brand new to Christianity, if you are brand new, this is the first time you've read this passage, you are actually in a better spot than those of us who have been around the church for a long time. And so I'm going to ask you to wait for just a little bit because we've got to get rid of all of this baggage in order for us to actually hear the good news. Okay? Are you are you with me? Are you ready? Okay. So we need to look 
first of all, one of the best ways to loosen the baggage of bad theology and things that get attached to this is that we need to look at the context. So go back to verse 1, and we see that Jesus was leaving where with His disciples? Temple. Very good. They were leaving the temple. The temple looked like this. It's a pretty big structure. It was probably the only structure of its kind within a hundred miles. It was tall. It was vast. It was built up on a prominent point. And, uh, and we, we see that the, the disciples are impressed. Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. And Jesus says, do you see all these great buildings? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. So I want you to understand right off the bat to get rid of a lot of that baggage and stuff that in this, this whole teaching, all of chapter 13 is about the destruction of Herod's temple. It is not about the destruction of the world, but it is a destruction of the Jewish way of life. And so we begin to see that. All of it is about this. And Jesus is fulfilling the role of a prophet. Now, again, some of us think prophets are like people that look into crystal balls and tell the future. No, a prophet is someone who understands the times so well that they are able to know where that road leads. And they're able to talk about it, about what is going to happen if we don't get off this road. We, we know that it's like a train careening down a mountain with no brakes. And, we, and somehow somebody on the train knows that the bridge across the canyon has not been completed. And so you begin to talk about... The long fall. And you kind of, if you're talking in this term, you kind of have to use poetic language. And we see that with Jesus all through this. We've got to get off this train. It's time to get off this train. I know where it's going. There's going to be a long silence and then the fall and then the heavens will explode. And, you know, this is, you know, poetic language describing a, a train falling into a canyon. This is what Jesus is doing. We see this and we can understand it this way because Jesus knows that superiority religion mixed with violence always ends in destruction. And I will say that most of the time it ends with the destruction of the thing that they were most passionate about. And so we have this Jesus, who is talking in these, he's borrowing a lot from the prophets. We're going to see this. But we see that all the way, I even paused us there, that in verse 30, down towards the bottom, we see that this is so much about the end of the temple that Jesus even says, this generation will not disappear until how many of these things have happened? All of these things have happened. So this is something that we have kind of taken and we have kind of projected out into some futuristic time where Jesus was really holding it in the concrete moment of talking with His disciples about not being too impressed with some giant buildings that were built on a hill. Are you with me? Do I have your attention now? Good. 
So let's let's go through this because I still think we've we've got to unpack it. There's so much baggage that's attached to these types of passages that we need to to look a little deeper. Okay, so here's here's a picture of Herod's temple destroyed. There it is. So Jesus, uh, that that has happened. That has taken place. Not one of the stones is left. They're all down here at the bottom of the retaining wall, and uh, those stones are massive. They are. If I were to stand next to that, if I were in the picture, those stones would be bigger than I am. I mean, we're talking massive, huge stones. The disciples were not were not uh, exaggerating. And so we see that in A.D. 66 through 70, there was a siege of Jerusalem. The Jews decided God had told them that even though they were small, they would be they would be mighty. God would be on their side and they could force the Jewish way of life onto the Romans and kick those Romans out. The Romans gathered around, surrounded the city And it ends in A.D. 70, towards the end of July, our calendar. And they destroy the temple and Titus crucifies thousands. They said there weren't trees for miles because they had cut them all down to make crosses. And the roads to Jerusalem were lined with crucified men. This... This is pretty graphic, right? I mean, this is why Jesus uses poetic language. I mean, we hear uh, some of this described by Flavius Josephus. Uh, there's his uh, a bust of him right there. He was actually a Jew, but raised in a Roman household. He was a historian that traveled with the Roman armies, and he wrote down and described the siege of Jerusalem. And he said that uh, there were many little leaders that popped up. They were they were all surrounded, but there were these little leaders that would pop up and say, "I am He. I am the Anointed One. I am the Messiah. Follow me, and I'll take us to victory." And some did, and they all failed. And there were prophets that came up and said, oh, if we'll just follow the law, if we'll return to our ways of life, God will deliver us. And people prayed and they did all those things. And it got worse and it got worse and it got worse. And there were many political factions that started up trying to figure out, oh, what if we just, uh, what if we say we're sorry? What if we do this? And they were brother against brother. There were families against families that were just biting at each other and betraying one another. And all of this begins to go on when you're so desperate to keep your way of life. And all of this is described by Jesus. Brother betraying brother, children and against parents, and all of this is happening in AD 66 through 70. Josephus tells us all about it. Now, I know there's going to be some of you that are out there, and so I just got to thinking about that. There are going to be those who are going to do, but what about? But what about? But what about? And you're going to, you're going to have your passages, and you're going to look down through here. So let's go ahead. Let's unpack these, okay? Uh, th- these are some of the bigger suitcases that we've got to get out of the, out of the truck. So what about verse 14? What about that abomination that causes destruction standing where it does not belong? Sounds so imposing, doesn't it? It sounds like, a, again, a WWE wrestler. Here comes the abomination. Whoa. And, and yet, Jesus is borrowing from Daniel. This abomination that leads to destruction is mentioned in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Daniel chapter 11, verse 31. And Daniel chapter 12, verse 11. And in each time, he is talking about a foreign army a non-Jewish army coming into the temple and doing away with the sacrificial system and destroying the temple. In fact, the interesting one is 927. 
Because it talks about an anointed leader who is killed, but was God's chosen. He suffered and he died. And then the army comes in. And so that you can see why Jesus might have this in mind and uses this language as he begins to talking about. But what he is actually talking about is a non-Jewish army in the temple. And they are there to destroy it. They get rid of the, uh, the sacrificial system and they tear down the temple. So Jesus is telling his disciples who want to know when is all of this going to happen? When you see a non-Jewish army, when you see a foreign army in the temple, that's when it's coming. That's when you're going to see it. And they saw this in AD 70. Titus's Roman legions marched into the temple, destroyed the sacrificial system, killed all of the priests, and tore the temple down. Okay? Are, are, you, are you feeling a little bit more grounded here? A few more luggage things taken off? The wheels are actually thinking they might be able to turn now? Okay, I know, but there's more. But what about verses 24 through 25? What about those cosmic signs of dark sun and no moonlight and, and planets shaken and stars falling? What about, what about that? Well, Jesus again is borrowing from the prophets. Because when you're talking about the end of a way of life, you can only use poetry. And so he, he borrows from the Jewish poets who are the prophets. And so he squeezes Isaiah 13.10 and 34.4 together. Now these were talking about the destruction of Babylon and Edom. So it was a little bit different, but he borrows them to pull them in. To say, this is what it's like when, when temple is destroyed and when your way of life, your sacrificial religious system is put at odds and thrown down. It does feel like the sun doesn't shine and the moon doesn't shine and the stars fall from the sky. It feels like everything happens. And Jesus said, it feels like that. But reminds his followers that it is not the end of the world. It may be the end of your way of life. But it is not the end of the world. Whew, that's some big baggage right there. You feeling lighter? I know I am. All right, let's move on. Because some of you will say, well, what about verse 26? At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Surely that's about the end times. We're waiting for that. Now, I, I want to pause here because I want you to hear your pastor say, I believe that Jesus will come again. I thought I'd get an amen. I believe that Jesus will come again. I also believe that Jesus was not talking about that in Mark chapter 13. Okay? And for us to superimpose that onto this robs this of its ability to tell us good news today. Okay? So what is this? The Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Jesus again, he's quoting from what? A prophet. He borrows that poetic language and he talks about Daniel chapter 7 verse 13. And this, I, I want to draw your attention. If you want to go read it later on, you can. But I want you to look at it. After suffering, the Son of Man is taken in the clouds to the Ancient of Days, representing God. 
And there he becomes, he sits down and becomes the king, the anointed one, all of these things in his government. Daniel uses wonderful language there. You can, you can check this out. But I want to point out, it is about that suffering one going to the king, going to God, not returning to earth. It is about returning to. So what is Jesus saying here? Well, Jesus is saying that he's been talking about this civil religion. Religion mixed with revenge violence leads to destruction of that which you hold most dear. And so when that happens, Jesus is vindicated. The one who suffered and called himself the Son of Man is shown to be the one who understands the way God really works. And that God is not interested in a religion of civil violence that leads to revenge and destruction. God is the one who looks exactly like Jesus, who loves and forgives and pursues the sinner to the uttermost in order to show them his grace and mercy. That is the God we serve. And when we see the temple fall, he tells his disciples in the here and right then and there, when you see this, you will know. Jesus is Lord. What he said is absolutely true. Not because he predicted it, but because he called out the violent system all the way along. And now we are seeing the result of that violent system falling in on itself. Oh, I don't know about you. I know we're getting a little scholarly here. We're, there's a little bit of baggage here. Everybody take a deep breath. Ready? Okay, because the vehicle's getting lighter. I mean, the shocks even just came up like a couple of, couple of inches right there. That, that's a big one. Okay, one more, what about? But what about verse 27? And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. I want you to know that the word angel, that we translate angel in English, is the Greek word angelos. And it, yes, can mean uh, angel. You know, I think we tend to paint them with wings and, you know, all those kinds of things and, uh, you know, big swords and trumpets or whatever. But the simple word is the word messenger. If I were to send someone with a message and I was Greek, they would be my angelos. They would be my angel. They are my messenger. So Jesus is not talking about Michael and Gabriel and, and all of the other angels. Jesus is talking about his messengers will be sent out. When all of this takes place, his messengers will be sent out to the all the world. I mean, he includes the heavens and the earth to the ends of the earth. He includes everything. My messengers will be sent out to proclaim the good news everywhere. Wow. Now, brothers and sisters, we have a truck that can move us. We now have a place to go. So we're all unpacked. Okay, you ready for the good news? I think we can do this pretty quick. All right. So now what? If it's all about the temple being destroyed, then, and, and we're, you know, now thousands of years beyond AD 70, was this just a history lesson? Was this just, is there, what, what's here for us? I want to say emphatically, no, this is not just a history lesson. And so your question should be, then what does it say to us today in 2017? Are you ready? I think we can get through this pretty quick. Here we go. So, I think Jesus throughout this passage, talking to Peter, James, John, and Andrew, 
Who are our representatives, right? They are the church then. They are us. So imagine we are sitting here listening to this now. Okay? Here we are. And he gives them a great list of do's and don'ts in the midst of all of this poetic language. There are some things that he says, when your way of life looks like it's coming to an end, there are some things that you as Christians in 2017 need to do, and there are some things that you don't need to do. Are you ready for them? Here we go. First one, do watch out. Now, that word that we see watch, we see be alert, we see be on guard. All of them, same word, means watch out intently. I think, I don't really like the, the, the way we've interpreted that. Because we say be on guard. And that always feels defensive, doesn't it? It's like, ooh, ooh, somebody's going to come and take my stuff. So i got to be on guard. And, and that's not the nature of this word. The nature of this word is just look out intensely. Use your eyes and just look around. Find Christ in the midst of this. But what does he say? He says, okay, you can do that. Look intently. Look at that. But don't be what? Don't be alarmed. You're going to see catastrophes. You're going to see wars. You're going to see nations rising up against nations. Don't be alarmed about that. There's, there's other stuff that's going to come. Just keep watching. So watch, but don't be alarmed. Um, the next one, do be on guard. Again, there's that watch intently. But don't worry about your words. Don't feel like you have to have all your arguments lined up. Just keep watching. Keep looking. Watch for Jesus. Watch for the Holy Spirit at work in the world. And don't worry about your words. You may be brought before kings and, and the governors and those kinds of things. And that could be scary, but don't worry about your words there. You will be witnesses. Just say what you feel the Holy Spirit leads you to. Now, I want to say, preachers, if you're an aspiring preacher, that's not for you, okay? You should do some study before you come stand up here on Sundays, okay? But the word witness is the Greek word martyrion. What word do you hear in that? Martyr. Yes, there may be some, okay? But Jesus says, look, but do not worry. Don't worry about your words. Okay, let's move on. uh, Next one. He says, do stand firm. Now, I want you to know that standing firm is not an aggressive term. Uh, It is, is not a fighting term. We stand, but we do not fight. So you watch, but you don't be alarmed at all that's going on. You are on guard, but you don't worry about your words. You stand firm, but it's not fighting. It's standing. It's looking. It's being ready to do whatever God calls you to do. Next. Don't, there's, there comes a time though. Now this is after you see the foreign army. When you see that life is about to end, hopefully in the United States of America, we're not going to see a foreign army. But when you see that your life is about to end, Jesus says, don't stand there anymore. Don't do that. Do run away when your life is threatened. Church in America, do you hear that today? I think sometimes we use language that is way too aggressive. We are called to stand, yes. But with the, the allegiance to the kingdom that Jesus brings is most important. And you can witness to that kingdom as long as you are alive. So when you see life is threatened, don't stand anymore. 
It's okay to go. All right? Don't cling to things when you go. He says, don't go into your households. Don't cling to household goods. Don't cling to your land. Do find safety. That there, the message that you have, that Jesus, the one who said that this all could happen because of the, the violent system, you do continue to say that, but you're going to have to go somewhere else to find that. You do that. Let's keep going. Don't look for great leaders or prophets who tell you that they can save your way of life. Oh, that's a big one. That's huge. Because it, Jesus didn't come to save your way of life. Jesus came to save you and for you to be his witnesses out into the ends of the earth. So do watch intently for Christ anywhere, even when great leaders stand up. Lastly, and I want to say this one for all of us that's been around the church for a long, 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 long time. Do not make prophetic charts and timelines to try to guess when all of this is going to happen. Yes, I'm talking to you three. And there are a few others we could throw up on there. There's so many people who just no longer want to bother with church because of this kind of silliness. Jesus is concerned about people and about telling as many people as possible about the way that he can so transform their lives. So finally, and lastly, one last do. Do watch intently and do pray. It's important to watch, to, to, to look for what Jesus is up to in the world. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is everywhere right now at work in the world, calling and trying to get people to understand the way of Jesus and his forgiving love that transforms anyone from the worst among us to the best among us? Jesus is the only one who can do this. We are watching for him. All the other stuff, yeah, we pay attention to it, but not with anxiety, not with worry, not thinking the world is coming to an end, not clinging to our way of life, but giving our lives for the life of the kingdom. That's good news. That's so much more than a truck filled with so much baggage it can't even move. This is for us today. And my brothers and my sisters, I don't think it takes a lot of imagination to think that there's a possibility that our way of life is changing. And so I'm going to say to you, watch intently, but we are watching for Christ active in the world. But don't do that with worry, anxiety, doubt. Don't cling to your way of life. Don't cling to your things. Cling only to the one who can save And that's Jesus. And it's to him that right now we will pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, for a person who really didn't want to preach this passage, thank you for all the good news contained in it for us in 2017. We need, to re- we need to repent because so often we are clinging to our news channels as if somehow they're the ones that are going to bring us life. And I don't care which one we watch. Neither of them are going to lead us to your kingdom. So help us not to cling to our way of life, but to follow you. 
to continue to announce the forgiveness of God to all people throughout all the earth to the heavens are filled with the glory of God. God, call us, continue to lead us and help us and guide us. For we don't want to be known as angry, worry-filled, fighting people. We want to be known as your children who look like you, who act like you, who love like you, who forgive like you, who have common sense like you did. So help us to trust. Trust that your Spirit will enable. Trust. Trust that you, Jesus, go before us, in us and with us. And help us in all we do to give you praise. For it is in your name we ask all of these things. And everyone said, Amen.